everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Home for All podcast. I'm your ACAR Communication Director, Kelly Moss, and your host for today. Just a quick reminder to subscribe to the Home for All podcast so that you won't miss a thing. I'm so glad that you decided to join me for today's episode because we're diving into the deep end. And today's guest is none other than Ohio Superintendent of Real Estate and Professional Licensing, Daphne Hawk. Ms. Hawk was appointed to the position in July of 2022 and has over 25 years of experience in the real estate industry as a sales agent, broker manager, sales trainer, and productivity coach. In addition to her real estate experience, Daphne served as the real estate relations manager for the Ohio Housing Finance Agency, Franklin County Recorder, and was also a Jackson Township trustee. We're going to have some in-depth conversation with Daphne about a wide variety of topics, including wholesaling, complaints and trends, departmental modernization, and so very much more. Now it's time to grab your coffee and your earbuds and make this spot your home for the next 30 or so minutes. We're happy that you're here. ACAR Home for All podcast is a bi-weekly production where we will host interviews, facilitate conversations, and talk about what's happening in the world of real estate. We'll introduce you to the important people in your community and help you learn how to grow your real estate-related business. This is an adult show and some adult language might occasionally creep into the conversation. So let's move forward and find out what makes Northeast Ohio the best home for all. Well, welcome back, everyone. I'm excited to dive into today's interview as we have yet another new and special guest with us today. Welcome to you, Daphne Hawk. I appreciate you taking time to meet with me today. And before we get to the heart of our topic, um, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about your path in the real estate industry? How did how'd you get to where you are right now? Sure. Well, um, prior to my career in real estate, um, I started as a stenographer at the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities when I was 18 years old. And uh, fortunately, I was I was blessed to be promoted several times and uh, worked as an administrative assistant to um, a cabinet member. And so I answered legislative and constituent concerns. Um, and then after about 15 years of public service, I decided to get my real estate license and make it a full-time career. And um, so I utilized my previous experience in public service and um, specialized in helping um, a nonprofit housing corporation for people with disabilities um, find properties. And nice. so that was really my niche market for uh, for a lot of those 26 years. Um, I really appreciated all of those uh, real estate professionals who were in my office, who helped me because I was new, helped me learn the ropes. Um, and that in turn led me to be that associate in the office who was reaching out to try to help new people. And um, my manager at the time um, said, you know, hey, it would be great. Why don't you go down and teach a class uh, for, for buyer's agents? And I decided to do that. And I just fell in love with the training and teaching portion of the field. And so um, I became a sales trainer for the Columbus market for then HER, uh, now Howard Hanna, and also taught professional designation courses 
for um, Honduras College and Ohio Realtors, such as the ABR, GRI, Green, and At Home with Diversity designation. All good classes. <laughs> yes, yes. And so um, then out of the blue, I was approached about running for office, running for local office as a township trustee. And I really wasn't sure I wanted to do it. Um, so I, I called one of my opponents uh, who held the position and asked him what he thought. And um, he said, well, you know, this other person, you can't beat him. Nobody's ever beat him. And um, I just thought, well, you just watch me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Never so, ever tell a woman that that's they right. can't do something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's basically what he did. And so, um, so I ran for office and I beat both of them by more than 10 points, which I didn't even awesome. know it was a big thing until later. Um, so um, after serving as a township trustee for a while, um, I was appointed to be the Franklin County recorder. And I just absolutely loved that job because it had, again, all to do with my career field, which is real estate, our career sure. field. And it was um, you know, an office that very much affects the day-to-day -day operations of real estate transactions. And so I was really excited to go in and I made a lot of great um, uh, improvements to the online system and things like that. And we had all of our documents recorded and up online within four hours of, of being recorded, which is, you know, unfortunately, post-COVID unheard of these days. But, um, but that's what we did. Yes. And so I was really, um, really excited about that. Um, and so from there, um, you know, 10 long years later, but still selling real estate, I was approached about the opportunity to replace our dear friend and former superintendent, Ann Pettit. And um, the division is very similar to the recorder's office in budget size and number of employees. So that experience coupled with my real estate sales, uh, teaching and managing experience um, made me a good fit for the role. And I just really um, owe all of my thanks and praise to Anne for thinking of me when she decided it was time for her to move on. Well, I'll tell you, and, and how interesting your career path has been and, and incredibly busy, obviously. Um, and our dear friend, Ann Pettit, has been on the show a couple times now and will actually be on again, I believe in May, we have a plan for her to come back on. So, um, but what a, what a great transition between the two of you. So that's, that's incredibly good. Yeah. So it's always, you know, it's always interesting to me to hear how people got where they are. It's not always a completely straight line. Although in your case, it kind of kind of was it was, you know, kind of right down that right down that real estate runway, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and so let's just dive right in and get to what our members have been asking about. Um, so if one of our ACAR members were sitting here with us today, what would you tell them about what the division is doing with respect to real estate wholesaling in the state of Ohio? How is the division approaching and handling this, this somewhat divisive topic? Well, we consider it to be unlicensed activity. Um, if one is engaging in the purchase or sale of real estate for a fee or compensation, and that person is not a principal in the transaction or a licensee, right. then they are engaging in illegal conduct, according to 473501. And um, for anyone who is interested, there, there was a video done about seven years ago by the division. It's on YouTube. If they were to just Google 
Ohio Division of Real Estate Wholesaling, the video will come up. It's about a 30-minute video. It's very, um, it's yeah, it's dated a little bit because it's been seven years, but it's it's still applicable to everything today. It's a really good explanation as to um, how we view wholesaling. But um, in short, I will let you know that um, you do need a license in order to receive a fee or compensation or commission for bringing a buyer and seller together. Uh, for the purposes of a real estate transactions. So while sure. our licensees are permitted to do these things with regard to bringing a buyer and a seller together for a fee, I need to remind them to make sure that they're upholding their fiduciary duties to their clearly identified clients, as well as the canons of ethics and all transactions need to be processed through the agent's brokerage of record. So that's something that we are starting to see a little bit where someone might decide, a licensee might decide to engage in wholesaling and they decide to do that outside the brokerage. The brokerage may not want them to do it, so they decided to do it on their own. That is a clear violation. Um, right. Of the division. So, um, you know, we want to just remind people that in these cases, it's extremely important that the licensee put the client's best interest ahead of their own and to treat all parties honestly. And that's the tricky part, I think, about wholesaling, because just the very nature of it that you're contracting to for one price for the seller and you're contracting for another price for the buyer and it's just a real shade of gray that um, that we're concerned about. So I know from there, then, you know, the next question is, what are we doing about it? Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I, so and I, I wish I could say more, but I will tell you that, you know, the real concern I have is for the homeowner. Um, are they fully informed as to the value of their property when they agree to sell it? for the agreed upon price? Um, are they willingly leaving money on the table to relieve themselves of the responsibility of the mortgage? We know, I know at least from having just kind of, you know, dabbled in some of these Facebook groups to see what they're talking about. Um, it's, it's very obvious that they are getting their demographic as the person who's behind on their mortgage and that sort of thing. And so right. we, especially as licensees, want to make sure that we're not taking advantage, right? Um, and so then the next question is, as well, everybody else out there is doing it. And um, with regard to enforcement, we do follow up on um, complaints with regard to wholesaling activity, both for licensees and unlicensed. However, because much of the activity is done within these private social media groups, um, it's difficult for us to gather additional information unless we have an active uh, participant from the, you know, from the complainant. We need someone who turns them in to continue to provide us with information. The reason being, we don't have police powers in our enforcement section like a police department does. I can't now, there are groups that I am still a member of because I joined as an agent several years ago that I have access to, but my enforcement investigators are not allowed to pose as a real estate agent or sure. pose as an investor and get in these groups. So that's why it's a little bit challenging for us to infiltrate, you know, if you will, those kinds of things. So we need, we need participation from our complainants. Um, and so what happens sometimes, I understand because I was an agent for so long, you may say, hey, do something about this. And then, you know, you're off running, chasing the next 
you know, transaction and you don't want to deal with the paperwork or the follow-up or the questions. And we need help with that. Until um, legislation is changes our, our current law, um, this is what we have to deal with. Now, there has been a lot of discussion around Capitol Square with regard to some type of legislation specific to wholesaling. Perhaps OR may even be discussing that. Um, but um, with and it's with the intent, of course, to protect the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to date, we've not seen anything proposed to our knowledge. So uh, we would welcome that. Um, I think the whole industry would welcome some legislation around wholesaling. So that's something we we need to be kind of looking maybe to the future for and see, you know, perhaps what's going on at at OR and and where they're at with everything too. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I guess you know it's safe to say that the the whole the wholesaling topic will continue to to be at the forefront of things. You know that the division is working on going forward, but. With that, let's talk a little bit about what's trending at the division. What common trends are you seeing in complaints that are being filed? Well, if you follow our license lowdown, if you're on our list that goes out to about 40,000 people now, um, you will know that um, we we did an episode on this, I think, in December or January, and it was our, our top three infractions. And um, so this was for all of 2022. By far, it is unauthorized access. So um, that may be something like giving out the lockbox code or entering at a time and date not authorized by the seller or the listing agent. But yep. some have even risen to the level of the buyer beginning demo or renovations prior to the closing or possession. And that can be a serious problem. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. And in I, one case, that still just seems like common sense. I, yes. But I know, apparently I know. not. Worst case scenario, though, happened wherein uh, the person went in, in this one situation, went in and started demoing, did about, I think the number was $30,000 worth of damage. And then the transaction did not close. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely worst case wow. scenario. So yeah, um, it would be. I mean, because then at that point, what happens then? I mean, you know, their house is now. Yeah, there's a there's a civil and there's a civil lawsuit typically is what's going to happen in that situation. So to recover damages. Um, so the next Unreal. one would be um, unlicensed property management or licensees running a property management business outside the brokerage. So okay. um, you know that's something that I think sometimes. Agents think, well, you know, I'm I'm doing this for my mom or, you know, now if you're doing it for yourself and you own the property, that's fine. But if you're doing it for a fee for someone else, even if it's a relative, that is unlicensed property management. And if you are doing property management, it all of your uh, your fees, commissions need to be paid through your brokerage, of course. And then finally, um, and not surprisingly, Um, Advertising is still near the top of the list as the most common complaint filed with us, um, usually by other licensees. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) um, It's typically an equal prominence complaint or sometimes the brokerage name is not included in the advertising. And this can easily happen on social media if agents aren't careful. So, for instance, what I my little cheat that I did when I uh, wanted to promote my listings on social media is uh, rather than me typing it up, 
loading the pictures and putting it on my Facebook page, um, I would just feed it from realtor.com and, and, you know, share it from there. That way, you know, everything's on there and I don't have to worry about accidentally missing something. That's the easiest way to share things on social media, I think, for your listings. Well, that makes good sense. A- absolutely. And I, I got to be honest with you, those those top three do not surprise me in any way, shape, manner, or form. <laughs> because it just tends to be what we end up talking about here at ACAR quite often, you know, because that that is what, you know, a- as the conversation goes, you know, so-and-so let so-and-so in without a lockbox code, or they showed up with, just showed up at the front door with people to come in and there was no appointment or, you know, so it, you know, that conversation tends to, ha- tends to happen around here quite often. So, sure. so let's pivot to something exciting and talk about modernization. I know that the division is progressing with modernization in several areas. Can you talk about what's being moved forward and how the modernization is kind of going overall? Sure. We are excited to be uh, processing several transaction types online now. These include uh, sales agent renewals, uh, new salesperson apps, agent transfers, and now broker transfers. Broker transfers don't happen quite as often, but those um, are also able to be performed online. And we're working on the requirements for a new licensing system now, which will hopefully be out on the street for bid this summer. We've done Excellent. everything we can do to modernize given our current system capabilities, but we're really excited about getting a new system in which um, it will be able to handle all of these things and so much more. We'll be able to um, process all of our continuing ed um, approvals. You know, right now it's all still paper based and we're just very limited by this, the current system that we have. So, but we are in the high level requirements conversation right now for this system. And we're so excited because we're just making sure that we, anything possible we can think of, including um, mass uploading of certifications and rosters and things like that um, for big organizations like, like you or like OR who um, will do, you know, perhaps 200 or 300 uh, licensees at a time. We want to make sure that um, all of those things are capable in this new system. And that's what we're working on. So we're really excited about that. So streamlining is is really a priority at this point then to make sure that no matter what size that, that you're dealing with, whether it's one person or 301 people, that it's going to go as quickly as possible for all of that. Yes? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm wondering that along with all of the modernization, if there are any plans for streamlining different processes, should the processing of licenses and the handling of complaints be streamlined in some manner? Well, honestly, what would really streamline our licensing renewal process is having licensees keep their licenses active. (laughs) (laughs) Always a good choice. (laughs) Yes, that means paying close attention to when your CE is due and the time frame in which it can be submitted. So an on-time renewal can be performed online. Uh, Even so, believe it or not, we automatically suspend around 100 licensees every single week. Wow, that's a lot. Well, maybe that's maybe it's not a lot, but it kind of sounds like a lot. I mean, it blew my mind. It really did. When I said every week, it's like 100 people. It's just shocking. So these 
automatic suspensions are required by law when a licensee does not comply with the renewal renewal requirements. So it's not an right. action that I have to take or my staff have to take. It's just an automatic you're it's out. Just- happens. That's right. And so when that happens, um, the time and cost it takes for the agent to get it back is painful. An on-time renewal is $182 for a three-year period. The cost to renew and reactivate your license once suspended is $307. Wow. It's also very time-consuming for our staff. Unlike an online renewal with a credit card, a reactivation will usually warrant a trip to our customer service center in Reynoldsburg if one needs their license to be active immediately, which they always do. Um, Always. I went out last Friday to to spend some time with my staff there. And uh, I was at the front desk when someone from your organization uh, made the trip down. Uh, It's usually on their birthday because that's when they're suspended Mm -hmm. and they make a birthday trip to the division uh, to bring their um, CE and their check uh, or that sort of thing. They've got to bring it in in order to be able to do business that weekend, right? So that was sure. Friday. She lost her license and then she had to, um, you know, take the trip to Columbus and pay so that she could do business that weekend. So um, that that would really streamline things for um, both the licensees and for us. Um, and then on that note, I really recommend taking your CE well before the 60-day renewal period, um, at least 90 days prior to your birth date. That way, if there's a delay in uploading the CE rosters, you'll have time to remedy it before the renewal date. I always put a reminder in my phone, um, my phone calendar, 90 days prior to my renewal birth date. That way, if I'm still short on a class, I have time to get one in. Right. And Um, Members need to know, too, that they can contact our office, too, to kind of get a grip on where they're at if they need more or less. And there's always a CE going on here. So, right. I mean, it, like at least one a week. So That's right. That's it, right. It, yeah. That's the easiest place, in my opinion, is the easiest place to get your CE is at your local board or at the OR yep. convention because there's so much there available. And um, all of the rosters are uploaded, not the day of. For people who take a, a class on their birthday and then wonder where it is. Um, so that that is a key factor. And then one last thing with regard to renewing your license. Um, please don't send in uh, CE certificates as you receive them. We cannot hold them or file them. Um, and we cannot take your renewal prior to that 60-day window. It's just, it's written in Ohio Revised Code. If you send us a check and try to renew 62 days in advance, we have to turn around and mail it back to you. So it's just yeah. it's just another thing that we, hopefully one day we can change some of these rules, but um, that's the way it is right now. Yeah, well, and that's kind of what they need, what everybody needs to know. You know, you need to know how to operate right. You know, will things be different in another year? Maybe, who knows? Right. But for right now, this is the way it's got to be done. So Yep. Well, we're about to wrap up this episode, but before we do, I need to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests here on the Home for All podcast. When you hear the phrase home for all, what does it mean to you personally? Well, I'm truly concerned about housing affordability, especially um, in Ohio, where prices continue to rise, um, both sale prices and rental rates. I read a story just this morning, so it was very timely, but Um, that rental rates have increased 56% in the past six years, and that 41,000 evictions took place in Franklin County alone last year. 
So that was a 41% increase over the previous year. And that's terribly concerning. So this being top of mind for me today, I, I like to think that the phrase home for all would one day soon, not sure how exactly, but hopefully one day soon means housing affordability for all. Wow, that's a great answer. And and yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. It is it it's frightening how many people are just not in that space where they can, you know, housing affordability is not something they can achieve right now. And it's sad. Right. So, well, I have to say that this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I want to thank you for your time and your expertise. Um, Would you like to share your contact information so that our members know where they can find you? Sure. My email is daphne.hawk at com.ohio.gov. Excellent. And I hope everyone was listening closely and got your questions answered. I want to thank Daphne for joining us today. And I want to thank our listeners for downloading and subscribing to the ACAR Home for All podcast. Be sure to check back with us for our next episode. And I hope until we meet again, that you're finding your very own meaning of home for all.